Thank you, gentlemen, for leading us in those wonderful songs of worship. You know, there's a theme in what we were singing this morning, and I think it's reflected in the title of the message this morning, at least what Mike Baker has come to share with us, Jesus to the world and the world to Jesus. And as I think about my life, our lives, we're, we're very busy people. But busy doesn't get it. <laughs> Jesus is what matters. We sang about him this morning. We're here to worship him this morning. We're here to, to hear what is happening in our world. And I remember Carl saying many times um, that there are three reasons why he kind of that gave him his sense of belonging in the church. The first was our conference that we belong to. It's now called the Rosedale Network of Churches. It's this, I believe there's 113 churches in our conference now. And that gave him a sense of belonging to a larger body, gave him a sense of accountability as a minister. The second is Rosedale Bible College, which is the arm, the education arm of our conference to train young people, to teach them to go to go back to their local churches, to go across the world, wherever the Lord takes them. And the third is RI, which is Rosedale International, which is the mission arm of our conference. And Mike comes this morning to represent Rosedale International. And I noticed that his title, which is, I mean, it just answers every question you've ever had about Rosedale, right? Director of Partner Development. He's going to help us understand what that might be. Um, so, Mike, it's really good to have you here this morning. Have you ever been here before? I was here last, was it July? For Ride for Missions, you guys hosted our first day. Okay. On that grueling bike. Okay. okay. So I was outside eating. Okay, you were outside. Okay. And he looked exhausted as I, I'm just exhausted thinking about him looking exhausted. But anyway, it's wonderful to have you here this morning. Come, let's pray uh, before you share with us together. Father, we thank you for the wonderful work that you're doing in our world. And I thank you that this, this little congregation in the hills of southeastern Ohio, Turkey Run, we've been here for a couple of hundred years. But Father, you have been so faithful to us here, but you're faithful to your church all around this world. And I thank you this morning for Mike and his the work that he does with R.I. Thank you that he's come to share with us, to teach us, and to help us to understand what you have for us in this world and what R.I. is doing in this world as we support them and are a part of them. Bless him, Father. Give us ears to hear and hearts to understand. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. All right, wow. I'm a loud talker, kind of like coach. So I grew up in Indiana, so I learned how to coach, played basketball. I want to help with VBS now after listening to you. So maybe I'll have to come back. Um, all right, there's three things I want to do this morning. Uh, the first being just quickly introduce who I am, just a little bit about myself so you know who the guy is up front talking to you. I'll make that quick. In that, I like to hand out stuff. It's fun. People like to get things, uh, whether you want to call it swag, whether you want to call it merch, whatever term your, your generation is in, I have free things. Uh, so I'm going to hand out those. I'm going to give a few highlights of RI, just some highlights from last year, some things going on. As you guys know, 
Uh, most churches now record, so that sometimes does dictate what we can share. Uh, but I will be sticking around for fellowship meals. If you want to know more stories, please feel free to ask. Um, everything I'm sharing this morning, though, obviously can go out on the web. And then just diving into a, a message this morning. The best thing about being here on a fellowship Sunday is if you go over a little bit, it's okay because there's food waiting for us, right? Um, I did grow up Baptist, so I'm just going to warn you. Okay. I am now an Anabaptist, but that's not how I grew up. Um, so anyway, if you want to, or I guess I have control of the slides, don't I? Hey, yeah. So this is just a quick glimpse of my family. Uh, my wife, Karen, and I, uh, we have been married 23 years. We have five children. Our oldest graduated from RBC last year and then got married. That's the one in the middle, Jada. A few of you know her, went to school with her. Uh, she married a young man also from RBC who had graduated the year before. Uh, he grew up in the mission field in Canada. And then we also spent time in West Africa in a country called Guinea-Bissau. Um, I just got back from, from Guinea-Bissau. I was actually there for most of May, three weeks. So when I get super excited, sometimes I switch to Creole words. Um, and I just spoke Creole for three straight weeks. So if I, if I say a word that doesn't make sense, I'm not speaking in tongue. Well, I am speaking in a tongue. Um, but just know, just, just roll with it and we'll be good. Um, that does happen sometimes when I get excited. Because some words there just make more sense in my mind. Um, our next daughter, Lydia, is in the center. She is a, going to be a senior at Huntington uh, University and uh, is a track runner uh, slash person and looking to uh, go into the world of, of sports and wants to be a missionary in the world of sports. And so she likes to be a strength and conditioning coach and what all that would look like. And then we have three more kids at home. Uh, all, of my, all of my boys are much taller than me. Um, and everyone is in a different place this morning. Uh, Josiah and Micah. Um, the, the ones on the far end, they're both at LCF, where we attend church, London Christian Fellowship. They're both helping out with different things this morning. Uh, the kid in the middle is a soccer player, and they had a tournament this weekend, so they had a final game this morning, so he went for that early game, and then he and my wife are running back home to shower and go to church. Uh, and then, yeah. So anyway, that's our, that's our family. Uh, and like I said, uh, we lived in uh, West Africa for three years of our life. We lived in Guinea-Bissau. So like this right here, uh, we lived basically just south of Signature. Um, this is a part of the world that Rosedale is really trying to get workers to. Uh, it is a part of the 1040 window. It has all kinds of unreached people, but it's open. Uh, like, for instance, uh, we arrived in Guinea-Bissau. We were there 30, with only 30 days, and we had five-year residence cards. Um, it's just that simple. Uh, we, went, we went back this trip, and we went to Gambia. Uh, to visit some churches there and to help a new missionary get settled. And at the border, they literally gave us a five-year visa for $50. Um, so it's, it's a part of the world that it's like you can openly talk about what you're doing. You can tell people why you're there. People know that you're a pastor. People know you're a missionary. Um, it, it is, yet it's in that 1040. It's unreached. Uh, we have one worker in Cote d'Ivoire. Uh, uh, Devin is in Ivory Coast or Cote d'Ivoire. Uh, we have some connections in Sierra Leone. Uh, there's uh, John and Helene Yoder have, a, a, have a, 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 home, a home there and a school there for kids with disabilities who have been cast out of their homes. Uh, in this part of the world, if you are born with a disability, uh, the family just rejects you, throws you out you, it's because they believe you have a demon. Um, sometimes they even bury children alive uh, to get rid of them. And so this is becoming a huge way to serve uh, kids that have just been uh, just thrown out. And so uh, we have that connection with John and Helene. Uh, there's a church plant in Zedekure, uh, which is right here in Guinea-Conakry. Um, and, so and then we have some work at RI going on in Bissau, the capital, 
uh, the country I lived in. So we're trying to like connect all these dots. And so I just share that just because that's what, where I've been the last few weeks. Uh, it's an area that we're super excited about. It's an area we're looking for some workers to go. Um, a good friend of ours, Burl Forrester, uh, moved over to this area when he was 60 years old and served there till he was 80, and God called him home, and he actually died in Zedekure on a, on a church planning trip. Uh, they were playing a church, and, and his race was done, and, and God called him home. Um, and so, anyway, that has been the last 12 years of my life. Uh, we have been involved in that part of the world and continue to be a part of that world, and we just got back from there. A couple pictures just to share, again, what's been going on. The two guys that are obviously not white, uh, one is Gabriel, the other is Daniel. Uh, they are pastors there in Guinea-Bissau. Uh, the one is planning a church in Bissau, which is all the little kids. He has planted a church there. There's like 35 kids coming to church, ages like 8 to 16. Uh, there's one mom that has just converted that's now coming, and there's two uh, Muslim men who are coming at night. We call them Nicodemuses, uh, just trying to check things out. And so if you are interested in being a part of a church plant in the capital city, Daniel would love to have some teammates. Uh, the highlight of our trip for my son was obviously holding a monkey. Um, if I still live there, I'm pretty sure I'd own a monkey. And uh, they tried to get us to buy the monkey, and I told them that customs would never let me get the monkey in the country. So that was probably my saving grace. Otherwise, I'd probably own a monkey right now. Um, so anyway, and then uh, we were, while we were there, uh, one of the ladies of the church uh, had a little baby, and so that was really cool. We got to be a part of that uh, party. Uh, so on just kind of like biblical times, on day seven, the mom and child come out. They give it a name. There's a huge ceremony. Similar to like, you know, how Mary and Joseph took Jesus at day seven for circumcision. Um, this little girl in the middle was someone when we served there, we were able to get hooked up with the mercy ship and get surgery because uh, part of her bone had come out of her leg. And so we were able to help her get surgery and get a steel rod uh, put in her leg. And so it was just cool to see her, see her walking. We had not seen her walking. Uh, she was still in rehab when, when we came home. And so to see her all these years later and just thanking us and and being a part of that was really cool. And then there's just some yummy food in honor of our, our fellowship meal. So Nibisau uh, was a place that was, again, part of our life for three years. Uh, there's no electricity there. There's no running water. Um, it is as rural as it can be. Uh, think going back 100 years or maybe even, even some Amish live more advanced than, than how we live there. Um, so we had a solar panel uh, for some lights, and that was about it. Got water out of the well every morning. I had to walk a half mile to the deep well to get fresh drinking water. Um, and life is simple, and life is not complex, and one of the guys asked me why we came home, and uh, we came home uh, seven years ago because we were there pre-technology boom. Um, when I think about it, it's crazy. When we went there, the iPhone 4 was what was out, um, and look at where we're at today. I think we're like iPhone 14 or something. Um, we, if you guys remember Skype, uh, we were using Skype when it worked. Um, we, had no, we had no internet in the village at all. Um, it's, it is radically different today, obviously, with the way technology has boomed. Uh, but as our kids were entering high school, we recognized that we could not do high school in that setting. Uh, they're just, we didn't have the resources, we didn't have the ways to get them education, and we did not want to send them away to another country uh, to go to school. We wanted them to be with us. And so we made the very hard decision to come home uh, for our kids' education. Uh, but my wife and I once the kids are all graduated, we ho actually hope to go back and can just continue some of that work. Um, the biggest thing is kind of creating a mobile RBC, so to speak, a Rosedale Bible College. Um, there is no Bible education there. Uh, most women, mo almost all women cannot read and write. Uh, they don't get a chance to go to school. 
uh, men, if they can read and write, their schooling is fourth to fifth grade. And so how can we create, we, what, our dream is to create a way to educate and disciple that would fit them. Because everything that comes out of the states doesn't fit them. I mean, if you can't read and write and you don't have technology, then all these things that we're creating do not work. They can't get on a Zoom call. They can't log online. They can't go to school online. They do not know how to read and write, let alone English. Um, and so that's kind of our dream is they are so hungry for the gospel. They're begging people to come and teach them. They're planning churches even though they have no idea really how, how to grow, which is, which is awesome. Uh, they've planted four churches this last year, and they're like, can you just come back and teach? In fact, the three weeks we were there, the women asked my wife to do a Bible study every single night and it was cashew season, um, and so if you've ever eaten a cashew, uh, enjoy that. It's a ton, a ton of work that goes into getting cashews. They work in the fields all day long, and so they were coming in just, just exhausted, and they would get in from the fields, they'd wash, and they'd go to Bible study. And my wife literally did 16 straight days of Bible study, and they were so hungry and excited. And so that's kind of our dream is to go back. In the meantime, how can we help RI advance that part of the world? So that's just, that's just a little bit about me and vision and some of our hopes and dreams. So with that being said, I'm going to stop there for a minute. I want to give away a few things. So I have just a few trivia questions, and I'm sorry that I'm, I'm talking fast, but there's a lot that I want to shove into this, this time. Um, so I have some trivia questions. Uh, I apologize. We're out of like shirts for adults because you guys loved them so much. You literally took them all um, at the last few events. So we are creating a new shirt that will have Jesus to the world, the world to Jesus, that will be available at Multiply and going forward. So I have some kid shirts. So if a kid answers the question you have, you can grab a shirt. And then I have these, these fun bags. So, um, and then everything on the table out there is, is free except the, the travel mugs. If you do want a travel mug, we'd ask for a $10 donation. Uh, but everything else is free. So feel free to take whatever you want. Take a prayer card. Take a pen. They're like the best pens ever. We actually had a church ask us where we got those because they wanted to order the exact pens. I was like, okay, all right. So anyway, um, so yeah, my trivia question is, and the first one is, you had to be here for a Sunday school to hear this, unless you're just really smart, but what is today? That's right. Good job. What, do you want a bag? Oh, he wants a shirt. Yeah, do you want blue or are you cool with pink? Or magenta? Magenta, I guess. Blue. All right. Are you a 10-12? You look like a 10-12. I'm going to throw it. All right. I did not play baseball, by the way. It was basketball. Um, okay. So that, that is Pentecost. Um, so that's good. All right. The next question is, and we'll come back to that. We're going to come back to Pentecost when we get into the word. The next question is, how many kids do I have? Yeah. Do you, yeah. Do you know? Does mom know? A small? How about a medium? Boom. Oh, sorry about that. I didn't take you out, did I? You good? All right. Okay, two more questions. These are a little bit trickier. We're getting into the Bible with these. Obviously, these are for anyone. Adults, you can participate. It's not just a kid's game. But how many years did Manassas serve? Manassas, the evilest king in Judah's history. How many years did he serve? You're close. That is 55. That is right. Do you want a bag, I assume? You kick a bag. Do you want brown or green, or do you not care? Okay, all right. Choices, man. We're getting choices on a Sunday morning. 
There you go. All right, and then the last, you know, in, fi- in fairness, if you've never studied about Manassas, I encourage you to read through Chronicles, you know, because Kings talks about Manassas being this evil, wicked king. But then Chronicles shares the story of Manassas' revival. He's in jail, he's, and he, he turns to God, and he starts worshiping God, and God returns him to his kingdom, and he actually tears down all those places, and he starts worshiping God. Now, the people don't follow him. The people don't listen to him. But Manassas did change. And, and if nothing else, that should give us hope that there's hope for everybody. Um, and so just, just to, if you never knew that, read Chronicles. There's that cool little aspect about Manassas. So, all right, my last question is, there was a king that Daniel served under. And there were several that Daniel served under. But which, what was the name of the king who turned into an animal for a period of time? Or, or at least lived like an animal? Yeah. Nebuchadnezzar, that's right. Do you want a shirt or a bag? All right. This will be perfect. Can you catch it? Let's try not to hit one. Oh, so close. But yet so far away. All right. Well, thank you for that. and I enjoyed that. Um, so yeah, I have more stuff too. So um, it was already mentioned. All right, Jesus to the world, the world to Jesus. This is our vision. Uh, we, we actually... We actually took time last year to just sit down as a leadership team with our board, talk about that. This, we've tweaked our vision. This is not what it said a year ago, but we just felt like this is a really good way of saying, what does RI do? Um, and as we have been invited to start coming to some mission events and, and serving in different conferences, the questions we kept at getting asked was, who is RI? What does RI do? And again, within the Rosedale Network, uh, maybe a lot of people know, maybe a lot of people don't. But as we get outside of that, we realized we wanted to have some, some verbiage that was just kind of really clear. And so our, our job is to take Jesus to the world, and we want to see the world come to Jesus. And we do that by nurturing, equipping, and sending disciple makers of Jesus among the least reached. Um, and so as the partner of director development, or the director of partner development, I don't even know my title, um, my job is to hang out with you guys. And so I travel to the different churches within the network. I preach, I share, I teach, um, I share what's going on in the RI world. Uh, we do mission conferences, we do mission schools. Uh, I'm going in January up to, to, to Michigan to do like Bible school for a week. Uh, we did one for New York last year. So kind of just whatever you guys need, that's my job, is to come and share, teach, uh, connect you with people. If you want to serve, can make that connection. If you are serving, I work with the, the support teams to help with that. Um, if we are in a different avenue, like I said, we have some partnerships now with Ivana and some other groups. I would go to those events and share. And so I'm just that guy who's networking our conference, our churches, um, and our partnerships and making those connections. And then when I come, I, I just I love to teach, I love to preach, I love to share. Um, and then kind of we've done some special things also for churches. So just keep that in the back of your mind. I didn't share this about my past. I just told you about my family and how long I've been married. Uh, I spent 10 years as a youth pastor uh, in Pennsylvania uh, in an LMC church, a Lancaster Mennonite Conference church. We served overseas in Gamesau with Eastern Mennonite Missions, not to be confused with EMU. Um, Eastern Mennonite Missions we served in, in Guinea-Bissau. And then I pastored a, uh, a Rosedale church uh, for the five years before coming to RI. So um, that's just a little about, about my background. So a, a few highlights from this last year. Uh, we started something called Good News Friday. And so we heard you guys say, hey, we want to know what's going on. We want to know what's going on. And uh, 
you know, at times it does get hard because of where our workers are working and we're in closed countries and we're in that 1040 window. And so we have purposely started, started it in January. Uh, I email it out once a month. It's something called Good News Friday. It goes to the secretaries and your pastors. So if they haven't shared it with you, now you can ask them, hey, guys, why aren't you sharing this with us? Uh, And if you haven't got it, please tell me and we'll make sure you get it. Um, But we're just trying to give like a little snippet that could go in a bulletin of just things that are happening. So like April, we talked about all these baptisms that happened on Easter in Laos and Guinea-Bissau and Gambia. Um, I don't remember what May's was because I didn't write it because I wasn't here in the country. Uh, But that's something that we're doing and just trying to share stories. Uh, Missions 101 is something that we have, have started to just replace all these letters that we sent out. Um, we have so many letters that really were just fruitless. And so instead of having multiple asks, we have this Mission 101 in the spring, year-end and the end of the year. And it's just a way to educate about missions. We have videos in- included with it. We have stories. We have recipes. Um, so it's a way to educate about missions and obviously raise some support uh, for, for RI. A city challenge filled up in one day. Uh, we literally had people emailing the short-term department at 12.01 the day that it uh, opened up. And so that was a praise God. By lunchtime, City Challenge was full. Um, and so we are actually looking for next summer, how do, we, how do we expand City Challenge? Can we expand City Challenge? Uh, City Challenge is where the youth groups come into Columbus and they, they stay with us for a week and they get teaching and, and ministry experiences in uh, the community that RI is in. Uh, if you did not know, Roseland International is in downtown Columbus. We are not out where the Bible College is. Uh, we are in the shepherd community, so we are living amongst people that are very needy and all kinds of things going on, and there's plenty of opportunities for us to serve right there in our communities. And so that's what City Challenge is. So we're looking at, do we have like a spring break group? Do we add in our week in the summer? Do we do something in the fall for like weekend trips that youth groups might want to be take a part of? So again, just pray with us as we kind of, as we, as we look at this, because um, it's just a demand we have. We have lots of churches asking for it, and we are trying to provide that need better. Uh, another highlight, about 40% of our workers are home this summer. You guys mentioned one of them earlier. Uh, many could not come home during the COVID time, and so a lot of people are home this summer. Uh, and so that's awesome, and it's fun, and it's exciting, and there's lots of stories, but there's also a ton of work. And so just remember our staff, as we're just processing with workers and helping with new support team members and all the different things that come with being home and traveling and raising support. Um, so you guys are familiar with that. You've had multiple people from this church serve. Um, but yeah, o- over 40% of our workers are home. And remember those on the field that didn't come home, uh, like in Asia, everyone came home but Courtney, and so she's kind of there by herself. Um, and so just kind of remember people like that as well. Uh, for 2024, we are looking for interns uh, to serve at RI, serve in Columbus with us. Uh, we'll walk alongside so far. We've had no candidates for 24. And so if you're interested in coming and serving and learning and kind of seeing what it looks like at, at our office, uh, we would love to have you become an intern. Uh, our hope is to have seven or eight interns this year. Uh, cause, again, because we'd like to expand City Challenge and the interns actually run a lot of City Challenge. So they, they get prepared and they work and then they do a lot of the City Challenge running. So it's, it's, it's really good hands-on experience uh, for leadership development and things like that. And then we need workers. Uh, we always need workers. So if you're interested in serving both here and abroad, I would love to talk to you. Uh, we have several openings in our office. Uh, in fact, uh, many of you obviously know Isaac and Brittany. Uh, Brittany has, has put in her notice that she's just dealing with lots of health stuff. And so she's been my assistant. Um, 
So if you want to come hang out with me and have fun, uh, I would love to have a new assistant. So if anyone's looking for a full-time job, um, and you can make the table look prettier, because that was Brittany's job, and she was really good at it, and I'm not. So um, anyway, uh, we have plenty of opportunities if you're interested in that. Um, we had four new families go out this year, which was exciting, because we hadn't had much many people leave uh, previously. And so uh, Sydney and Angel and Isabella are serving in Latin America. They're serving with the Shekinah Foundation. Uh, if you guys remember, Cheryl was there, and she passed away on the field pretty unexpectedly. And Sydney was serving with her as an intern and stepped into that role and has taken over for Cheryl uh, in Ecuador for the Shekinah Foundation, uh, which is a foundation that basically uh, provides spiritual care for average children um, there in, in Ecuador. So that is one family that launched. Uh, another is Courtney. Uh, she is overseas uh, in, in Thailand uh, serving. She is working with girls that they have gotten out of trafficking as well as language assistance. She helps a little bit with the Moon family with some of their kids. Um, so a little bit of, of everything. And so Courtney will, is, went this year and will be there for two years. Uh, this young lady is serving in the Mediterranean region. Um, and she is partnering with us and Pioneers, again, to work with a lot of the refugees um, in the area that she's at, uh, as well as women who have gotten saved from the trafficking and, and, and all of the slavery industry. So, and if you would be interested in, in doing that kind of work, she would love to have a teammate. And if you want to know where she's at, I can talk to you about that later. Uh, and then this family has been just an absolute blessing. Uh, the Fox family, uh, they have been in Spain the last 15 years. Uh, they came over to us from a different mission agency where we're just was going a different direction than they would care to be. And so they've joined us and they work in Burgos, Spain. Uh, and, and there's a, just a growing church there in of all different nationalities and stuff, and so that's where they, they work. Uh, they're hoping to have a REACH team come this year. They actually have a girl from their church coming to do REACH, and um, they met uh, way back in the day at a program called RAD that was actually in Fort Wayne, Indiana, where I was born and raised, um, and they got married and have been serving uh, in various ways ever since. So they have been an absolute blessing to have on the team. And then we have three new workers hoping to leave before the year ends. Uh, we have a new family going to the Mediterranean region, uh, and we have a new family that's going to East Africa, so that's a part of the world we haven't uh, been in yet, but it's part of that 1040 window um, to do a lot of agriculture work where they'll be living, working amongst um, Muslim people, and then we have a new family that will be uh, going out to Southeast Asia, not where our current team is at, but close by, um, and again, working kind of in the agricultural industry of helping people, like just different farming techniques and stuff like that, so uh, that's exciting stuff, and again, if you want to know more about those families, I can talk to you afterwards, but those are just some highlights of what's going on at, at RI, and again, uh, prayer requests, uh, we're looking for interns, so if you're interested in that, or you know someone that's interested, or you're not sure what's next with life, we'd love to have you join us. Uh, we need workers uh, locally, probably, right, I mean, we need lo- workers abroad, but we really need some staff, so if you're interested in, in knowing more about what we got going on, um, wisdom, as we look to expand City Challenge. And then growth in, uh, just pray for the church growth in West Africa, and also that we can just find some workers that want to go to that part of the world. It's a hard place to live. It's very rural. It's not very, uh, uh, they're mostly third world countries, and so when you tell people they're going to be kind of camping, they usually are like, I'm out. Um, So uh, people like their stuff. I mean, you talked about it. We take things for granted. Um, You know, there's nothing better than having 
a hot shower pouring down on you and taking a bucket shower all the time gets a little bit old, but uh, these people still need to know Jesus. So uh, anyway, so I'm actually not giving this sermon, so you can mute the screen back there, or I don't know if I can mute the screen. Um, bear with me. As I drove here this morning, I've had this sermon uh, rolling around in my head, and so I pulled an audible this morning, and I hope it works. Uh, you are my test run, so if you don't like it, please tell me. Um, but it's, it's, been, it's just been mulling around in my head for a while, and just I, I do a lot of driving, and so I've been thinking about this, this passage and this story, and so with it being Pentecost and everything going on, I, I, I just, this is where I feel God's asking me to share. Um, that actually sermon was based out of Acts 2, of 42 through 47, um, but, I, but that's not where, where we're going to go this morning, so maybe, maybe I'll come back a different time and share that one, the elemental. Um, but I, I, wanna, I want us to turn to John 21. Whew. I'm guessing you want me done by noon, huh? Okay, all right. There's food here, guys. Remember, we're good. And we're not in Indiana, so no one has to rush home and get to the race. So, unless you're Indy 500 fans. Okay, so John 21. And um, as, as I, so for again, I didn't grow up in an Anabaptist world. I, I grew up in a very Baptist legalistic world, um, and just. You know, it's amazing how life, as we go with life, we just keep growing in our faith and, and asking questions. And like, the older I get, the more I realize I don't know. I mean, I've, I'm sure you've probably heard that. Not that I'm that old. I'm only in my 40s. Um, but I, I grew up in a very different world. And um, I ran away from my calling to ministry for a while. I, I started off as an electrician. Um, I didn't want to be a pastor. I didn't want to get yelled at or, or go through some of the suffering that pastors go through. I, I didn't want that. Um, and so I ran like Jonah for a while, and God just kept graciously bringing me back and bringing me back. And so um, I, w- I was working at Blackhawk Ministries, the church I grew up in, the school I went, went to, um, as, as a junior high pastor. Uh, eventually, I'm skipping lots of parts of the story. The story is way too long to share it all. But in that, I just, it was a mega church. It was huge. I mean, we had everything we could want. We had all these resources. And I just remember feeling like empty inside. And, like, something was missing. And so uh, my wife and I just started seeking. And, like, we were walking through Acts. And we're, like, look, we're like looking at this church in Acts. And we're, like, man, what, like, what does this look like? Like, wh- where is this church? And in that uh, process, uh, the church I was working for basically said, uh, we're not going to be full-time because you have too many kids and we can't afford your health care. Uh, so feel free to look for a new church. We're, like, okay. Um, that's a true story. That's actually what happened. So I put my resume out there. And um, I got this response from a church in Pennsylvania, and it was, a, it was Community Mennonite Fellowship. I knew nothing about Mennonites. I'm, I'm just going to be dead, like nothing. And so they reached out, and they're like, hey, do you want to come work at a Mennonite church? And I'm like, do I need a horse? Like, do, like do, does my wife have to wear head coverings? Because I'm pretty sure that's out. Um, you know, I mean, I, I just, I didn't know anything. Like, growing up in Northeast Indiana, like, I, I had worked, I'd worked on a construction site with Amish, um, but I didn't know the difference between Amish and Mennonites, and I knew there were differences, but I'd never taken the time to ask questions or explore. I just assumed, right? We all know what assuming does. And um, so I asked some really dumb questions, and they, they told me to read the Confession of Faith, and they gave me some other books, 
And as I read about who Anabaptists were, and as I read the Confession of Faith, I, it was what we were looking for. And I was like, man, this is like New Testament stuff. Like, this is, this is Acts. This is the early church. Like, this is what we want to be a part of. And so uh, we ended up moving out to Pennsylvania, taking the job of that church, and have been in the Anabaptist family ever since. Um, and, and so in that, I'm always amazed um, by some of these stories and just how simple they are and yet how complex we want to make them. And I was sitting through Sunday school this morning, you guys were talking about Revelations, which is huge. Like, where do you even go with that? And I love the way that you guys ended it answering yes, right? Because so much of scriptures is both and. And we want to make it either or. Like, it's either this or it's that. And even in this story with Jesus and Peter, Peter wants, well, what about this guy? What about this? It's, it's either or. And I think sometimes Jesus is just like both ends, right? And, and one thing I've learned in my life is that our life has seasons. Um, some of us have a season that we stay put for a long time, and that's, that's totally good if you're where Like we've lived in Pennsylvania. We lived in Guinea-Bissau. I pastored a church in the network in, in Missouri. Now I'm in Ohio. Like our life has had seasons. But everywhere we've gone, we've said, we've just obeyed God's will. Like, where do you want us to go? And when you start talking about Jesus to the world, the world to Jesus, and being missional, that, that is the simplest thing is, what is God asking you to do? Not me, not the people around you, but what is God asking you to do? And I think, I, I don't think, I know that's exactly what we're, we see here in John 21 as we dive in. Jesus and Peter, and there's this beautiful, beautiful story between Jesus and Peter. Right? And you've probably heard it preached a hundred times, and, and the focus is Jesus asking Peter three times, do you love me? And, and some guys even love to break down the love, and what does that mean, and how he used different loves. Um, but I think it's simpler than that. It, it is a restoration. Jesus is definitely restoring Peter. But he's also telling Peter what his job's going to be. Right? This is what you're going to go do. And then he ends it with the same question he began with. And I don't know how much of, of history you guys know, um, but again, I, this year for Lent, I, again, didn't grow up that way, but I just participated in that, and I read through, I did a Lent devotion, and in that devotion, it was just reading passages in John over and over and over. So each week kind of had this, other, this theme during, during the time of Lent, and, um, and so I just read a passage for a week, and read a passage for a week, and one of them was John 21, and I just, we, I just read it for a week. And as I read it for a week, you know, you just begin to soak these things up and stuff came out of that. And, and so, again, fast forwarding, we're at the day of Pentecost, right? The day that the Holy Spirit showed up. Um, and we know that. We read that this morning in the Sunday School for Acts. But there's these 40 days in between. And that's where this story takes place. There's, there's Jesus rose from the dead. And then there's Pentecost. And there's these 40 plus days in between that I think sometimes we forget about. Sometimes we skip over. Um, sometimes we just think, oh, they went from Jesus' resurrection to Matthew 28 to like this Acts thing. And actually, if you, if you do the math and you, if you read all the Gospels together, Matthew 28 did not happen right before the day of Pentecost. It happened sometime before that. Jesus rose from the dead. He appeared to the disciples. He said, go to Galilee and wait for me on the mountain. So they, so they had this code place, this mountain that they all knew where it was. And so they went to Galilee. Now, Galilee is like, what, a three or four day journey from Jerusalem. So they went, so in this 40 day window between resurrection and Pentecost, they went up to Galilee. They went to the mountain, to the, the safe place, wherever Jesus had told them to go. We don't know exactly what that mountain was. He gave them the great commission there. 
That's where he gave them Matthew 20. Wait, it was not in Jerusalem, which is where Acts picks up. They're all back in Jerusalem. They're waiting for the Holy Spirit. They're waiting. They're celebrating the day of Pentecost. They're waiting. So they went from Galilee. They hung out in Galilee a little bit. They went back to Jerusalem. And Matthew 28 happens here, up here, like early on into his days. And he gives them, you know, you guys can quote that passage. You know, go and make disciples. And most likely, this story in John happens after that because they're in Galilee. And it's, if you start in, in the beginning of Matthew John, you know, he appears to the seven disciples. Um, and, and, and so, beginning of Matthew 21, they're, they're fishing. Right? So Jesus revealed himself to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. He revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. So seven guys of the 11. Remember, we only have 11 right now. They're fishing. Peter's bored. Peter's not sure what to do. Peter's being Peter. And he says in verse 3, I am going fishing. They said, okay, we're going to go with you. So they went out to the boat and they caught nothing. Now when you read that, does that like click into anything? Like, Do you guys remember some stories? Way back, three years prior. You can find the story in Luke chapter 5, right? When he calls the disciples, Luke chapter 5, Way back three years ago, they go out fishing and they catch nothing. Right? That's how we say it in the country. Nothing. He says, put your nets on the other side. He puts his nets on the other side and there's so many fish they can't even drag them in. Simon Peter, again, jumps out of the boat, kind of in his whatever he's wearing, runs to Jesus. He falls down and says, depart from me. I'm a sinful man. I can't even be around you. People are astonished by how many fish they catch. And Luke, it doesn't say the terms follow me, but Matthew and Mark and John all use that term, follow me. And so it says in Luke 5, verse 10, James, John, they were partners with Simon and his brother. Jesus said, hey, don't be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Exact same place, exact same sea, exact same miracle. So this story in John 21, when he appears to these guys, and, and they're fishing, the exact same thing happened in Luke 5 at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. They're out fishing, right? Because they're fishermen. They're doing what they know to do. They're doing what they do. They're not catching anything. This miracle happens. They drop everything, and they follow this rabbi. So again, with a little bit of history, why is it important that Jesus said, follow me? Well, in our day and age, we have all these choices of what to do, right? You go to college. You may work a family business, you may get a degree. You have so many options. And unfortunately, in our world, most of our idols are probably not good ones, right? Our idols have become sports people or TikTok followers or influencers or all the junk that's on social media. And yes, I said it, junk that is on social media. I'm getting older by the minute. I love social media. There's great things you can do with it, but there's so much junk on it. And, and so many of our young people's idols are these people. Oh my goodness, this guy just made $500 million. Oh my goodness, this guy just made that. Oh, if I could only have that. And again, I'm not, I'm not knocking on sports. I love sports. I grew up in Indiana. Like, basketball is life. We breathed and lived and died basketball. I love the fact that Boston tied the game last night on a tip-in with no time left to take it to Game 7 and maybe rewrite history for the NBA Finals. Like, that's awesome to me. Um, but that's not the point for right now. The point is, Jesus said to these guys, follow me. And that's what every 
Jewish boy wanted to hear. Every Jewish boy and girl grew up learning the Torah. Everyone, everyone memorized the Torah, boys and girls. From ages five to eight, they memorized the Torah. And so when they were, by the time they were eight years old, they knew Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. They had memorized the Torah. Then, if you were good enough, you continued on in Pharisee school. Sorry, I'll go faster. You guys are like leaving. Oh, it's bad. Um, they finished on in school, right? And then by the time you were 12, you wanted to hear a rabbi. You wanted to hear someone say, follow me. And you had two choices in life. Either a rabbi, like someone like a Nicodemus, would come up to you in little Pharisee school and say, dude, you are a great student. You are showing favor. I want you to be my apprentice. I want you to follow me. Or you went home and worked mom and dad's trade, whatever that was. That was your choices. You either became a priest or a rabbi, or you went home and did the family business. And so every little kid, their idols, the people they wanted to be, the people they looked up to were the priests. They were the leaders of the law. That is what every little boy wanted to hear. He wanted to hear this guy say, follow me, because it meant they were successful. It meant they were something. It meant they would be something in life. They wouldn't just be this carpenter or this fisherman. And so clearly, the 12 disciples never heard that. Because they were working jobs. They had never heard, follow me. So they're working jobs. So when Jesus says to them, follow me, they knew what that meant. He was a teacher. He was a rabbi. He wanted them. He came to them and said, I want you. And I want you to follow me. And I'm going to teach you what it looks like to be a fisher of men. They understood what follow me means. Like Sometimes I'm not sure we understand what that meant. But they understood it. And so Jesus has said to them, Follow me. They grasped that. They, they were willing to get rid of everything because they knew what that meant. It meant they were going to go be with the teacher. Now, it turns out that Jesus' teaching and way of living was radically different than anything they had ever seen or heard before. It was upside down, right? The upside down kingdom. And, and some of them did well and some of them didn't. We know along the way other followers left. Ultimately, Judas betrayed. But these 11 were staying the course. And Jesus had died, he rose again, they went to Galilee, he gave them the message, and now they're just sitting there. And, I, and, and I'm guessing they weren't sure what to do, so Peter's like, I'm going fishing. So they go out and fish all night. Verse 5, hey, do you have any fish? They answer him, no. Hey, cast your nets to the other side, you'll find some. So they did it, they cast their nets, and they said they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved, I love how John calls himself that, Says to Peter, it's the Lord, right? Like, we've been here before, deja vu. We've had this miracle happen before in the same boat, on the same lake. Peter throws off everything, jumps in the water, doesn't even help his friends get to fish in. He's just like all in, like I'm going, I'm running for Jesus. Right, the other disciples, it says the other disciples drug the net in. I'm sure some of them are like, thanks a lot, Peter. You're like, you're the strongest guy and you ditched us here. They get... They get to the thing. Jesus brings them the fish. They have breakfast. No, it says no one even bothered to ask, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Well, they knew it was the Lord because it happened before. And, and it's all happening again. And then this is where we have this interchange with Jesus and Peter. He says, Simon, son of John, do you, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know I do. He starts to give him these commands. Right? Feed my lambs. Then the second time he says, tend my sheep. The third time he says, feed my sheep. In other words, he was telling Peter, like, this is what I have for you. 
you're not going to fish anymore. You're not going to be a fisherman. You're, you're not going to hang out in this boat. You're going to go be a pastor. And I need you to feed the sheep. I need you to feed the lambs, actually. I need you to feed the young people, the converts, the people who don't even know what's going on. I need you to then tend the sheep. I need you to help disciple them, grow them. And then I need you to feed the sheep. Because wolves are going to come and things are going to happen. And everything I've taught you, it's coming to fruition. And I need you to be the rock. The man that I renamed way back in Luke, when I told you your name would be Caiaphas, the rock. When I told you that I was going to build the church on you, Peter. I haven't given up on you. I haven't forgotten who you are. I chose you. Remember, I told you, follow me. I believe in you. Even though you screwed up, I still love you and I still believe in you. That was the greater message here than just repeating it three times. It was affirming to Peter that he was everything that Jesus needed him to be. He was the rock. He believed in him. He loved him. He had forgiven him and he had a job for him. And it says, talks even about how he's going to die. You know, and Peter was the one that said, hey, Jesus, I'll, I'll go die with you. I'll die the same way. And ironically, he obviously does die the same way except being upside down. And then I love how Jesus ends this. He just simply says to Peter, after all this dialogue, all this affirmation, he just says, follow me. And Peter knew what that meant. Got it. Yeah, I messed up before, but I'm in. I'm going to follow you. I got this. And Peter's life from here on out looked radically different. We get to Acts just a few, probably weeks later, maybe a week later, and he gives the sermon of all sermons. Peter, the fisherman, the guy that can barely talk, gives a sermon. A few chapters later, he's healing a temple. A few chapters later, he's meeting with Gentiles and eating food he's never supposed to eat. And it goes on and on and on and on. He never went back to fishing. He heard God when God said, follow me. He understood what that meant, and he was willing to go. He listened, and he didn't look back. He did question what was going to happen to John, and Jesus reminds him, it doesn't matter what's going to happen to John, because I'm focused on you. And so my, my challenge this morning, or my encouragement this morning, is that when we start talking, taking Jesus to the world, the world to Jesus, all of us have a story, right? We all have a story. Some of them we're proud of, some of them we're not proud of. But at the end of the day, no matter what our story is, no matter where we've been, just like Peter, Jesus has forgiven us. And I think sometimes we forget that. Or we compare ourselves to someone else, just like Peter was trying to compare himself to John. But I'm not as good as that guy. Or I'm not as good as that person. Or if only I had that life. The reality is you are exactly who you're supposed to be. Ephesians 2.10 said that God created all of us as workmanships and gave each one of us good works that should, would, would we walk in them, right? In other words, he said, look, you are Bob and you're going to be Jane and you're going to be Mike and you're going to be whoever you are and it doesn't matter what the other guy does because I gave you good works and I called you. And that's why the body works because we have all these different parts and we're too obsessed with being a different body part than the body part God asked us to be. Ephesians 2.10 said, you are my workmanship. Every single one of us is a workmanship. Every single one of us was given good works. God prepared exactly for you. Your story is not going to be my story. Your story is not going to look like my story, and it shouldn't, because you have different gifts and different unique things that God 
created for you. And so when the question is, are you going to follow him, what is God asking you to do? You don't have to go to the Med region. You don't have to go to West Africa to be a missionary, right? Some of you may, and that's okay because that's your story. And some of you may move away, and that's okay because that's your story. And some of you may stay here your whole life, and that's okay because that's your story. The question is, are you asking the question, what is my story? The question is, are you willing to follow him, whatever that means? If you're called to be a nurse, are you going to be a nurse? If you're called to be a teacher, are you going to be a teacher? If you're called to be a coach, will you be a coach? Or are you going to constantly compare yourself to someone else? Instead of being content exactly where God has you. And in that, looking around, man, who has God put in my life that I can reach out to? Who has God put in my life that needs to know the gospel? There are people all around you. I guarantee it. We do not live in a Christian nation. We have never lived in a Christian nation. Right? And there are more and more, there are people in our world all around us who have never walked in the church. We used to say, oh, everyone shows up to church on Easter and Christmas. That is not true anymore. I constantly run into people that have no idea who Jesus is, who have no idea who the Bible is, that live in this country, that have never stepped foot in church. And they're from small towns and they're from big towns. Our world is radically becoming a world of all about me. I don't know if you guys saw the article this week about Target. Uh, I don't know where you feel on Target. I'm not trying to create diversity or problems. But Target has partnered with the Satanist to produce clothing and merchandise to sell in their store. This guy, is, he's from London. Uh, he's a well-known Satanist, proclaimed Satan. And I, I, I read the article because I found it profound what he said. He said, the reason I worship Satan is because Satan allows me to be the king I want to be in my life. Well, wow, does that not sound like Genesis 2 and 3? I mean, that's exactly what Satan said to Adam and Eve. If you eat this fruit, you will be like God. And then the guy goes on to say, he goes, I don't actually believe in a real Satan, but the idea of Satan, what Satan stands for, is I am my king and I am my God. And when we look around the world, it is that simple. Either people are their own God or they follow Jesus. It's not more complicated than that. We try to make it more complicated than that, say, oh, they worship this, they worship that. No, they either have chose to make God for themselves or they choose Jesus. It is that simple. And we have a simple choice, either to choose to follow ourselves and what we think is best or follow Jesus. And in that, we become missional. Because as we follow Jesus, just like Peter did, just like John did, just like all of these apostles did, all 11 and 12, because Matthias replaced the one, all of them went different directions, all of them had different ministries, all of them did different things, and all of them helped the kingdom grow. And that's the body of Christ. And that's who we are. So, will we be who we are called to be? Will we step into those gifts? And will we follow whatever he is he's asking us to do? Basically, be obedient and surrender my life, our lives. And back all the way back in 2007, 2008, when I was trying to figure out where to go, it's exactly what I said to the Lord right before I got this interview or this chance to go out to Pennsylvania. I said, Lord, I've been holding on to aspects of my life, and I'm done. Like, it's yours. My marriage is yours. My relationships are yours. My children are yours. My life is yours. My money that I don't have is yours. All of it is yours. Right? And I said that prayer. And, I, 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 and I'm not saying that to brag on myself, because I'm, I'm not. But I think that's the prayer we should all say. And my life has looked crazy since then. We have moved. We have done different places. 
Like we continually say, God, whatever your will, that's where we want to be. And don't say that prayer unless you mean it. Like if you don't want to truly surrender and go, please don't say that prayer. Like I'm being serious. Like it's not that I don't want you to love Jesus, but like if you're not willing to surrender, God, everything is yours, then don't say that. But that's the point we got in our life. We were so tired of trying to do it on our own. Just whatever, God, like we are yours. Use us. And I think that's what we see here in John. He says, Peter, I'm just going to use you. I've given you gifts. I've restored you. I love you. I've forgiven you. And I simply just need you to follow me. Whatever that's going to look like. And so my question for you, or the question I want you to ponder is, am I following him? Am I following what God is asking me to do? Or am I more content following kind of what I want to do? And in that, of course, you're going to work jobs. You're going to raise a family. None of that is wrong or bad. But in that, you're always walking side by side with God, looking for opportunities to share, looking for opportunities to witness, looking for opportunities to be the disciple maker that he wants you to be. And maybe you thought I was going to come here and just say, hey, we need people to go overseas. Yeah, we do. But the most important thing to me is that we are all disciples where we're at. That's, that's my hope for the whole network. For all, and actually we're 114 churches and soon to be two more, 116. Man, I want to see 116 churches loving Jesus and being disciple makers wherever they're at in the world. And that will be multiplication. And people will go and people will, it'll be crazy. And if God calls you to go overseas, I hope you consider that. I hope you reach out to RI. But more importantly to me, I want to see people following him using those gifts that he gave you that we talked about in Ephesians 2.10 and be willing to say, Lord, I'll go. And it might be as simple as walking across the street and having a conversation with that neighbor that you've been avoiding for the last two years. Or maybe the conversation you've had is, hey, how you doing? Good. But you're actually going to have a real conversation. Dig deeper. Ask hard questions. Go out to coffee and be like, man, what's going on? Like, hey, how's your life? Like, yeah, we've been neighbors for three years, and we've shared mowers, and we, you know, we've talked across the fence, but like, what, what, who are you? Like, what's going on? Like, do we know those people that God's put in our life? As I drove here this morning, I'll leave it with this, and then I'll pray. I was listening to this. I, I'm a runner. I started running a few years ago. I've run five 10Ks, half marathons. I have not ran a marathon yet. I was listening to this podcast called Run for God, and it's a, just a podcast by some guys that, that run, obviously, and just constantly trying to put everything back to God. And, and the, guy, the guy said, and it just really struck me, you know, we, we say all the time they're good people. And for, personally, that phrase has always bothered me. Because if you're not a Christ follower, you can't be good. You're either dead or you're alive. Going back to Ephesians 2, right? You're either dead or you're alive. You can't be both. So you're alive in Christ or you're dead. Well, I don't know about you, but my definition of dead is not good. Dead is stinky and smelly and nasty and bad. So, but I think because we say good people, we kind of justify have those disciple-making conversations. Because we're like, well, they're good people. And, and he went on to say in this podcast, he's like, he's like, for far too long I've lived my life as everyone is alive, but the reality is if they're not in Christ, they're dead. He's like, and I've started looking at people that either they're alive or they're not alive. He goes, and that has created an urgency in me to have conversations because the reality is if they don't know Jesus, they are not alive. And if they're not alive, what the, what's coming for them is not good. He goes, it's not, he goes, I'm not beating it over their head. I'm not being rude, but I'm just looking at people differently going, oh my goodness, you're not alive. Like you need life. You need breath. You need to be alive. And again, however you want to look at it, however you want to word it, it's true. And we have this truth. We know who Jesus is. And he simply invites all of us 
to follow him. And so I invite you, wherever you're at, wherever's going on in your life, to follow him and walk into what he has for you as individuals, as families, and as a church. Pray. Lord, just thank you for this morning. Thank you for this opportunity to be here and share. God, thank you that it's a holiday weekend and the place is full. God, as we, as we look at what you have for us, and as some of us are on summer break right now and trying to figure out what's next, whether we just graduate high school, but I just pray that we would ask you, what is your will for our lives? What is your will for our families, for our children, for our marriages, for our churches, for our communities? Lord, that we would just be disciple makers wherever you have us. Maybe it's with the person that works next to you in the cubicle. Maybe it's with the person at Walmart that you can just tell needs encouragement. Maybe it's that friend for a long time. We've just been avoiding the conversation. But God, help us to be missional in all of our life. Not just when we go on a trip, not just when we leave the country, but each and every day, God, help us to live missional in our marriages, to our children, to our communities, to our neighbors. Even when we go on vacations for a month at a time, Lord, help us to look for ways to be missional for all the different people that we're going to encounter. And everyone has a story. At the end of the day, everyone needs to know who you are. So God, help us to be churches, help Turkey run to be a church that follows you and answers that call, whatever that may look like. Lord, if there's anyone this morning who's just not even sure that they're following, God, help them to speak with someone afterwards, to ask questions, to go to a pastor, an elder, a teacher, a parent, someone they love and say, man, I'm not, I'm not sure where I'm at. I'm not sure Jesus is Lord of my life. I'm not sure I even know what that means. God, just, I would just pray that, that if there's anyone in this room that's questioning that, wrestling with that, that they would have that conversation with someone. They wouldn't let another moment go by wondering what's going on, but they would want to follow you. They want to surrender their life, that they would surrender their life and just follow you the same way that Peter and so many others did. God, give us the, the wisdom and the encouragement and the discernment and the, and the strength for this week and everything that we're going to encounter, all the relationships, all the people we're going to talk to, all the different things we have going on. God, just help us to be honoring to you in each, everything we say and do. In your name we pray. Amen.